we're back. Welcome to No Direction, the Pathfinder news, reviews, and interviews podcast. I'm Vanessa Hoskins. And I'm Luis Loza. And we're talking about uh, a book that, Luis, that you had a, mm-hmm. a very important hand in making, The Lost yes. Omens Travel Guide. Oh, yes. This is a very special book, very near and dear to my heart. I think one that I've been trying to work on for pretty much since they handed me The Lost Omens line uh mm-hmm. it's 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 been something that I, i've been trying to do for a while and I'm, I'm glad to see that it's almost out just a few weeks away and can be in everyone's hands subscribers are starting to get it already so mm-hmm. if you are a subscriber to the lost omens line you may have the pdf already yeah. as your your book is on its way but yeah not quite street date yet but still we're going to talk all about it this is such a cool book so this uh, correct me if i'm wrong this book is like uh, like the lore guide, essentially. It's it's yeah. weather and trade routes and fashion and food and festivals and all sorts of just really cool stuff about like just the what it's like to live in Galarian, not necessarily an adventurer, but just, you know, I got to go get my milk and like take my kids to school, that sort of. Yeah, uh, I, I like to uh, call it two different things. One, either it's the guide to playing an NPC or it's the guide for everything that isn't adventuring because a a lot of the lost omens books other setting books focus on things like adventuring sites dungeons (laughs) monsters npcs all the stuff that you'll encounter in adventures which makes a lot of sense for you know our adventure rpg but (laughs) i am of the opinion that all this stuff like you know what you just said festivals and cuisine all that stuff is just as interesting if not more so in some cases. And I've wanted to do a book that focused on that for a long time. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think Param would call it ultimate commoner, <laughs> right? <laughs> Out of the first edition line. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely has that feel where, like I said, it's it's literally one of the chapters is everyday life. Um, but you mm-hmm. can look at all sorts of these things and, and, and like crime and law and how are these things dealt with? Um, what's the climate like in different areas? Uh, one of them is just called What People Know. Yeah. Which is great because, like, we know all this great Galarian lore, you know, mm-hmm. and and going into it as a player, you might be like, oh, I I know that the throne in Corvosa is cursed, right? Because there was a whole adventure path about it. Um, yeah. I know about all of these other things that are happening. Uh, I I know about the Whispering Tyrant and on his deal and his like extended history. Cool, but what do like random commoners know? If you just walk up and you're like, I don't know, gather information, make a diplomacy check. Like, sure, the APs will tell you the the relevant stuff there, but there's also just like, do they know the Whispering Tyrant is out? What do they know about that? About the Starstone? Yeah, how much do they actually know about the Starstone? Or is that one of these weird, uh, you know, myths that people are like, oh, sure, you can become a god, whatever. That's all the way over in Absalom. I don't think that exists. Mm -hmm. That's a tourist attraction. I bet that's not real. (laughs) 
<laughs> they wouldn't just have a rock that made people gods. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's just a, a way to sell you the gift shop. That's right. Come get your own piece of the star stone. Just clear, chipped off the old block this morning. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be a fantastic, like, fake touristy thing to sell. Yeah, yeah actually, now that I think about it. I've only got five good. pieces left. They're ten gold pieces a pop. If you want a piece of the actual star stone that might grant you divine powers... It's only 10 gold pieces. I, I touched the star stone and all I got was a slazzy t-shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Well, let's dig into it. Oh, actually, you know what? I wanted to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. This book has so much stuff in it. How okay. did you, one, figure out what you wanted to put in it, and two, figure out how to properly organize it? Oh boy, that was uh, part of the challenge of the book in the first place is deciding what to put in there because when i think okay what doesn't relate to adventuring that's imagine the entirety of knowledge as a pie chart it's like all right here's a slice okay now just put everything else in there no problem fit that into 128 pages <laughs> uh which if you ask me this book should have been four times longer uh but you know i i worked with what i had it, uh, um, it could I, I, be four times longer just reading through it there's all yeah. sorts of bits that are touched on that you're like this this one paragraph could be a whole spread. Could be a whole. I think page. pretty much each section, so like trade and cuisine and yeah. whatever, could each be their own Lost Owens book, and I would only be mildly satisfied with the amount of content we put out. Um, but yeah, that's just me. But the, the the thing that came to mind is okay. What are the important details that I think I, as a GM or I as a player, have run into where I've wanted to know a thing? You know, uh, I think a lot of people want to know what food is available or uh, things like who is the, the shopkeep, right? And we've answered some of those questions with the Lost Omens uh, line before we had the um, Grand Bazaar as your answer is like, who's a shopkeep? All right, well, you can just flip to a page and here's your shopkeep. You have it ready to go. No big mm -hmm. deal. But things like food or what sports are being played or um, you know, what people know, which is actually a question I didn't realize people had until I saw it on the, the Paizo forums uh, while this book was I uh, can kind of brainstormed and put together um, just kind of, you know, little details that I think are interesting to read and useful for fleshing out the world. Uh, every once in a while, when I'm running a game, my players will ask me this kind of out of nowhere question. One time someone asked me like, oh, hey, uh, what does druidic sound like? Oh, yeah. What does druidic sound like? I don't know. And I didn't answer it here because there's just not enough space. But in my my home <laughs> game, I decided, okay, what it sounds like is there's lots of like, S sounds and shushes and things that sound like natural sounds that like if you're listening to the sound of a, a, a of leaves rustling in the wind, you can speak druidic and the, the sounds of nature will mask it and no one will know that you're speaking druidic because it, all you're hearing is natural sounds. Mm, that's really cool. Like, oh, I like that. Details like that will happen. Or I was running my Ruins of Aslan game. Players were underwater and they go to the, 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 the city bar, the underwater city bar. Like, hey, what can we get to drink? But also, how do drinks work underwater here? And I, oh, yeah. I talked about this whole thing about like water density and like their alcohols have like specific density. So they have a, a glass of water or a glass of, of, of underwater booze that they were handed that still works underwater and you can still drink it same way because it doesn't just like mix with water. So like details like that happen. And, and 
I've realized I'm sure there are so many GMs, so many players that have those same questions or, or similar questions. Let's try to answer some of those. Let's scratch the sure. surface at least a little bit so people yes. feel like they are informed enough to answer the question, what's for dinner at the end? Or at least have enough of knowledge base to know, okay, well, I know what housing costs are. Mm-hmm. We can use that as a jumping off point to figure out how much this new manor that yes. you just inherited is worth and all that stuff. Well, some of the things were interesting to me. So uh, as as an American, uh, I'm used to eating beef all the time, right? We got hamburgers, mm-hmm. we got steak, there's there's beef and everything, ground beef and, and all sorts of stuff. And one thing that was interesting to me in the, the culinary chapter was it talked about like, yeah, beef is kind of rare. Like it really only exists near big cities that have their own farmland because you need this dichotomy of enough people to like eat, not only just like, oh, we, you know, have, have one cow that we slaughtered, but you need enough to have like, oh, we, we have a whole herd that's going to support people. And yeah. also at the same time, enough like grazing land for them to exist. And in the modern world, like you have people globally and you have all this like ways to ship things all over the place. And so it's it's not as big of a question. But in a fantasy world, yeah, you, you can't just have a small farming community and a herd of cattle and be like, well, what do we do with all these cows? You know, we, we eat one and that's enough for the whole city for, you know, several nights and, you know, several mm-hmm. days. And, and, and then what? So... And sort of also make- we needed it for its milk first. So like and you need it for its milk first. just yeah. like slaughter it every you know we're not gonna be slaughtering a cow every week just every week just yeah so people can have meat yeah because people need milk from it so that's why you have your chickens and you eat eggs instead you just deal it's a luxury to sometimes eat meat exactly and so that was kind of cool to think about in those terms and just sort of reframe things that we are used to into something that you go ah yes that that would make sense Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that i appreciated is that even though there's like a there's a fashion chapter you have fashion sprinkled all throughout the book uh mm-hmm. so we're looking at like uh, rural stuff there's there's a rural fashion and it shows a guy and it talks about what he's wearing and it talks about other things folks might wear and i just think that's kind of cool because as i go through the cure i get really inspired right i i start reading and i'm like oh that's that's a really cool little bit of information or this is a that's a cool outfit or something that i can i can look at and say i want to make a character like that yeah, uh, one of the inspirations uh, with this book is when I was growing up, I would see these eyewitness books or like these Star Wars visual encyclopedias that would you know have just a bunch of art. It would have you know here's a, a statue and it would point to different parts of the statue. It's like sculptors would use blah 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 techniques and mm-hmm. you know just give you all these little facts, little pop up <laughs> video style like extra little facts, or you would see the dissection of i don't know uh, a star destroyer in one of these star wars books and you can mm-hmm. see all the different floors and where the engines are and right. where the weapons are and it's not just a big triangle of doom anymore yeah and and then that would also point out like oh here's what the engines are and mm-hmm. here's what they do and how many crew are manning them and stuff like that and just like yeah. seeing that i think helps sell and understand a lot of this stuff a lot better than just telling you well people live in houses and here's the type of houses they have, but no, we can just show you a picture of a house and show you the rooms and then the layout and the kind of expected stuff. And then if you really wanted to, you can even use that for your games. It's like, Oh, here's an example house. Cool. I'll use that layout for the murder mystery I'm about to run or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just having the visuals, I think really sells you and it helps. I mean, it's, it's that thing, you know, picture right. worth being worth a thousand words. is just so much more helpful. I think. Yeah. hundred percent. 
Uh, we have a question from a uh, first time chatter. Snow and Armor asks, will there be recipes to create actual in-game dishes like there was in Mwangi Expanse? Oh boy, will there? <laughs> yes, there are. There are not only, there's two main dishes here. We have our baked fish, Diabellion baked fish and Thuvian spice meat pastries, but there's also a couple of cocktails if you're more inclined for spirits. There are. I was so excited. Uh, so there's only the one spread, but there are a couple dishes you can make and there are four cocktails. And what's fun is if you look at them, I, I am 90% sure I know what real life cocktails these mimic, but still they are delicious. Uh, speaking of cocktails, one of the things that I thought was really fun is that um, there's a, a specific type of wine called Carpendon that comes from the Carpendon Hills in Taldor. Mm -hmm. That is a like a, a generally a white or a white wine that has extra sugars and things put in it for a double fermentation. So it's bubbly uh, and commonly called bubble wine, but it's only Carpendon if it's from the Carpendon Hills of Taldor. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just bubble wine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's so many fun details in this book. There's like not to say that our other Lost Omens books or rule books are boring, but the the, <laughs> they are not. the intentional decision to make this be actual articles written in setting from authors and you know travel guides. Hmm. You know, the, it, it, essentially, you're looking at a collection of blog posts from different people who are visiting uh, the inner sea and saying like, oh, if you want food, I, I got all the, the best uh, information for you. But it also means they inject their personality and have these opinions about things uh, like, hey, you know, whatever, you can make this drink without carpendin, but like, what is it even worth it anymore at that point? That's right. <laughs> right? stuff like that so like getting these things or like little jokes that they intersperse here and there i think really adds to uh the the enjoyability of reading it well as an author i really enjoy having a resource like this too because then i know when i'm writing an adventure i can have like that dusty old bottle of carpendon that's mm -hmm. you know in someone's wine cellar and it's like yeah they've got a lot of wine but this one's worth some serious gold and it's cool because not only can i just put uh, a piece of treasure essentially in there that's you know the, the players are probably just going to take it and sell it sure but it's more than you find a box of coins in the cellar congratulations here's treasure like you mm -hmm. you can really and i could always say oh there's a rare wine but it's not as grounded in the world and this lets me say ah this this fits the larger narrative of galarian and everything that we're putting into it some of the most fun i've had with reading adventures is the you know occasional big social adventure like in hell's rebels part three for example mm -hmm. uh, has a dinner that you go to and it talks about all the different courses and it goes into detail about like oh here's this dish and it's these fish and then you skewer them in a particular way and, and stuff like that and i'd always see that or like even rise of the moon lords part one mentions the like cooking contests that Ameko mm -hmm. uh, uh, kaijitsu wins with her specific like fish dish and like it's always been a thing in the background that i Part of the reason I wanted to do this book is like go through every single publication and gather Jeez. everything. We didn't have space for that, mm -hmm. uh, it turns out. But that <laughs> was part of the original idea. It's like, I'm going to make this giant uh, living resource as, as a, a research uh, material that's like, so far, here's every mention of food that we've ever included in the AP or a setting book. Mm -hmm. And turns out that's that's a lot more work than, than it sounds like. Oh, yeah. No, uh, that's a ton. I managed to do that and go through and collect most holidays and events, I think, and 
like not even like 20% of them fit in, in this book ultimately. But I had the wow. giant list that I handed to the freelancers, like, here's all of them, grab what you want. And here's, here's, you know, the, the pages where I found that information. Uh, so it, it'd be, I, I, it's just a lot of cool stuff that has been mentioned in the history of Pathfinder. And if you're not someone who's read that particular adventure, you wouldn't know about this, this particular dish, or if you were the player, you know, and you just didn't experience it or whatever. And I think it's just a fun way to give you that feeling that I felt I had. It's like, Oh, cool. They do this and that with their food or do yeah. that with their, their sports. And, and, you know, you're, you're taking a glance into a, a world. I think other settings, mm-hmm. not just RPG settings, but like, you know, there's, there was like a game of thrones cookbook and stuff that based itself on stuff within the setting like this kind of stuff happens all the time and it's fun to finally see pathfinder get its chance to 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 have that happen absolutely one of the things that i i appreciate looking through here is the stories it does create by inspiration as you know i also am one of the two co-authors of vellum and lace uh, a series of fiction on pathfinder infinite and even just like skimming through the book, looking at different things, I'm writing to Helen, my my co-author. I'm like, oh, ooh, we happen to be in the right month where this like festival of kites is going to happen soon. So maybe that can be like a plot point or a chase or something that we can put in the the story. Uh, you know, may, maybe one of the characters has a birthday. We decided when their birthdays are because we can maybe they have a birthday celebration and it talks about like how birthdays in Galarian are are celebrated in a very specific way. And there's sort of like a non-religious way to do it and a more religious way to do it. And both of those seemed really intriguing to me and like things I'm like, oh, this this could definitely be a scene or two in our story that, you know, aids to building the world and building the characters. And as I'm going through here, there's just a ton of stuff that I, I keep finding snippets and copying and pasting them <laughs> to her. And it's just like, from now on, everything I send that's quoted to you is from the, the travel guide that we can use. <laughs> There's so much in there that was just like extra little fun bits that our authors included or uh, random Easter eggs that I decided to include because, mm-hmm. you know, not all of this was um, written when it was through the writing period if that makes any sense for example there's a calendar in the 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 calendar section there's like a little one month someone's calendar has details written in specifically it notes it's Ezrin's calendar so that's Mm. fun but that didn't exist until you know our our art team laid it out and then I had to go in and fill in that stuff and that's when I reached out to the rest of the team and asked like do any of the iconics have birthdays Mm -hmm. and turns out none of them did so I decided we're gonna declare that Valros's birthday happens on the 10th of Erastus oh yeah there it is now you can you know so there's like little bits like that and there's there's so many like little things I've hidden in there or other authors have included or are bits in the art here and there that are just like allusions to other things within uh, Galarian or other APs and stuff so it's it's really fun for someone who even if you know Galarian very well, you're obviously going to learn a lot of stuff, but also be able to point at things like, oh, Valorous's birthday. It turns out that's when his birthday is. That's pretty fun. And, you know, so next July 10th, we can all like jump on Twitter <laughs> and tell Valorous happy birthday. It's a shame this book came out like a, just a little too late yes. uh, for that, but we can do that next year. <laughs> okay. Uh, next up is Lost Omens, Big Book of Birthdays. You heard big- it here, folks. Lost Omens, Little Black Book, where it's just Ooh. phone numbers oh, and, wow. <laughs> and That's, birthdays. I bet and... that belongs to Mauricio, actually. <laughs> <laughs> if I know uh, her. 
And then yeah. Kira finds it. It's like, what is this? It's like, that was from 50 years ago. <laughs> Most of those people have like grown old and gone on. It's fine. Except for Someone- this guy. <laughs> He's going to be around for a while. Um, but yeah, that's that's so cool. Uh, we have another question from chat. Uh, well, suggestion really from Numbat18 about sort of uh, extending the volumes maybe through infinite for authors that want to drill down on a specific section. And I think so- she, I, uh, I think they're wondering if there's like the lists of all the stuff that you compiled available for infinite authors. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Cause I, that's technically something I did for work. So I guess it's technically Paizo work, but like you could do what I did, which is just start going through the PDFs. I, I have my, all my PDFs <laughs> there and I like controlled F holiday and it, you know, it did a search through all the AP books and stuff. And I was just starting to grab everything I could. So I, I don't know if it's, yeah. I'm sure someone can eventually do that and do the same with, you know, food and animals and uh, clothing styles and stuff like that. That'd be amazing. That would, but that's also basically asking people, Hey, uh, be a, a research or, you know, be, do, do research work, be a grad student uh, and dedicate so much of your time to just doing this for a fictional world, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason I, I realized I couldn't do that because I can't just pay someone the rates that would be required to do that extensive of research. Yes. But that's, that's why I like this book so much because Mm -hmm. you have done some of the research, you paid freelancers Mm -hmm. to do some of that research and also to create a bunch of new things that is now canon Galarian lore for how this stuff works. So now GMs making their own home campaigns, uh, people that are also writing for the setting, people that are playing Pathfinder society and really want to make sure that they like, that they get the, they get the feel of their home area correct. If you're going to make someone from Galt, there's a, a bit in there about different like silverware and how in Galt mm-hmm. you don't use silverware, you use pewter and they prefer pewter because otherwise people might get the wrong idea in Galt. And so, mm-hmm. you know, now you might have this quirk where it's not a big deal, but you go to sit down and you're like, um, I prefer a wooden bowl, please. You know, and I prefer mm-hmm. uh, a yeah. pewter, uh, you know, a pewter I'm, fork. I'm hoping that so many people read this book and grab just like one detail that they can add to their character or add mm-hmm. to their game. Like, you know, hey, we're about to run a murder mystery, but now I know exactly what the uh, punishment for, for murder is, says the GM, <laughs> right? And I can like include that and or include one of the detectives that's mentioned in, in the section, stuff like that. Just hopefully everyone can grab something and make use of it with this book, even if they don't end up playing mm-hmm. a character. It's like, I know all the different recipes from Catapesh or anything like yeah. that. But yeah. Did we want to show off a little bit of this book? Yes. One thing I specifically wanted to show off is the first time I have ever seen this in any Pathfinder product, and maybe it's been done before, but this is the first time I've seen it, is isometric maps. So you've got several in here. Right now we're going to look at the interior designs for rural and urban homes. Mm -hmm. And they're these really cool isometric maps with a bunch of those, like you called them pop-up video style callouts that Mm -hmm. go and look at specific features of like what is unique about a rural home or what is unique about an urban home. One of the things that didn't occur to me is it talked about how like an iron stove is a pretty rare thing. And generally stoves are wood or stone and they are built for like a specific temperature, right? This is a pizza oven. This is for bread. This is for uh, drying fruit. Like ovens are going to be designed for very specific things as opposed to modern day ovens, which have variable temperatures. But the, the thing I mentioned earlier with the books 
that were inspirations for this, you know, the cutaway things. Like I want to have some of these maps. I worked with our art team, uh, specifically uh, Sonia on the art team was, was kind of my go-to for most of this book. Uh, and I know we haven't really done too many isometric maps because they're cool looking. They look awesome. And I know Paisa used to do them in the, the magazine eras. I've oh, seen did they? Okay. Um, Long time. I remember seeing them in like Age of Worms and stuff. Uh, but the thing is, then it makes it really hard to translate onto paper or onto the battle mat because you have to like turn it in your head. And, you know, <laughs> there, are, there are some things you can't see because there's a wall and, and it blocks sight of mm-hmm. stuff like that. But that means, you know, we don't end up doing a lot of those for battle maps. But I asked you know, Sonia and, and, and Sarah at the time with our art team, hey, can we do this if it's not a map for you know, intended for to have a grid or anything? They're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And suddenly, okay. you know, OK, I'm going to do a bunch of these. Uh, and I think it really helps to you know, give you that bird's eye view and also give you enough of the details because, you know, you can cut away the walls that you need and, and reveal as much as you need. Uh, and I think it's also just really fun i think i'm sure there are artists that really enjoy doing that in that style uh, and have a lot of fun and maybe haven't even had a chance to work with us before because they only do that style so hey right <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll get to see more of that kind of stuff in the future because i think there, there are benefits in terms of information that you could provide you know if there's mm-hmm. like a city built into you know underground or something it's a lot yeah. easier to see the layers that way than just expect to like look at it from above yes Well, and I'm just thinking about some of these set piece maps from actual adventures. You have the top down and you're like, sure, but sometimes it's not exactly clear. It's like, no, that's a 15 foot ledge around the outside of the room. But if you have an isometric view that shows that and maybe one of the creatures stalking around up there, you can go, oh, cool. I remembered one map that I think we've done. (laughs) Okay. But it was like a really exceptional, like very special case, which was for the Sandpoint campaign setting book near the end of first edition. They took the Sandpoint map and like the opening spread of that book is a yes. bird's eye view of the city and you can see all the buildings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not cut away, but it, it is isometric, you know, three quarters perspective and let, lets you see the town with all those, you know, vertical details that you wouldn't normally get from the top down view. I do remember this map. It's a really nice map. I almost yeah. want to try to find it on my computer and show it to folks, but I won't. Um, go, <laughs> go look for it on your own. Yeah. Speaking of maps, there is a really cool one in here that's trade routes. Uh I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to show you. If you're watching the video, you know what? Go buy the book. It's it's worth it. Um, but there is this really cool trade routes that show things like, here was the North Tack and the South Tack going through the inner sea. Here's the Diamond Webway, which is a trade route um, across the Moengi Expanse. And just, you know, the Varician Run. Well, where does the Varician Run start and end? You can, you can actually just see it by looking at it here and go, oh, okay, that's cool. So depending on the kind of game you're running, you can be like, oh, it, it, here's where the ship might have gone to or been from. And like I said, for me, from an adventure writing standpoint, and even from uh, a prose author, I can talk about, uh, we actually have a, a pirate character and maybe she's uh, she's like, yeah, you know, when we're out on the sea, we usually hang around, you know, the South Tack or something. And then we come back to Absalom. So we, you know, so the sorts of ships we encounter are carrying goods to and from Osirian and Rahadum and Thuvia. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. And so it's, Things like that just, once again, immerse yourself in the world and are fuel for inspiration to do something very specific and interesting with a specific story, uh, you know, a specific story point or beat. Mm-hmm. It's also, at least for me, just really fun to like follow along, like just where would it like jump on? If you look at this map, there's a bit where the South Tack just kind of 
breaks away to go to Absalom and comes back mm -hmm. and it's like imagining where would that happen? Would it happen? Like, is there some poor city in between that spot where it goes away that like is missing out on all this trade stuff and you know, <laughs> considering all the possibilities, I'm sure that's not always how the South tech works. I'm sure some, some people just continue on and ignore Absalom. Stuff yeah. Like just that. skip but it. Yeah. Sure. It's just, it's just fun to like how, I don't know. Like you said, just even seeing just a couple of lines on the map to suggest, well, people will travel a lot through here. There's probably mm -hmm. some stories that go with that. Yeah, I'm sure there are some boats that go, say, from Andoran to Osirian directly. Mm -hmm. Sure. But that's not a usual trade route, right? That's yeah. That would be like a special delivery sort of situation yeah. where it's like, oh, we just... We only deal in these two goods, one from Assyrian and one from Andorin, and we just ship them back and or, forth. <laughs> or that's that's already your adventure hook, right? Like, yeah. hey, I'm I'm a, a merchant in Andorin who needs something special delivered to Assyrian, and all of the trade ships that are coming by are only willing to follow the North Tack, and that's going to take too long. So, hey, do you adventurers want to deliver this for me so it gets there on time? Yeah, that's true. That's really cool. And yeah, that's. Map shows us that maybe that direct route isn't super common, so it makes mm -hmm. makes some sense. Very good. Uh, oh gosh, just so much stuff. There's a whole <laughs> there's a whole layout of cuisine that confirms the presence of purple rice, of like bright, vibrant purple rice in Galarian. And now I want bright, vibrant purple rice. Yeah, there, there was a lot of ideas about just this kind of layout for for the cuisine. Um, where it's just make a big picture uh, stuff and, and point at things again. And again, just really fun with the art. I think uh, I'm sure Sonia had a, a great time getting to order these. And it was really fun to see them come in uh, as well. And just, I don't know, it, it, it was also an interesting challenge for our authors. I think this is the first time where I specifically noted like, hey, I'm, you're getting paid to write art orders because you will know what needs to be going on here. So yeah. For example, the trade section has pictures of like different trade goods and, and the author had to like explain, all right, well, here's what, what silver, here's the information on silver, but also here's what the picture is going to be because it ties to blah, 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 or whatever. And, you know, knowing what the, the different dishes looks like and stuff is important. And it's a lot easier for the author who's in that mindset to be able to, to produce that and, and share it with, with us. And then, you know, subsequently our artists. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Speaking of one of the things that I think is really cool is there's a there's a page on archi architectural styles mm -hmm. that show all these different buildings, and you have a, a visual example and a description, but also a visual example of looking and being like, this is what New Thassalon architecture looks like, right? When we say this is Thrunic, here's what we mean. If it's a Shelanite structure, this is like what the temple might look like, and you go, oh, mm -hmm. okay, and that again helps for me, ground me in this world. So I know, I know what I'm describing and I can imagine this is amazing for GMs that like to make up their own adventures in Galarian to be able to have this resource, not only just to inspire them and help describe where they're at, but also just to show and say, Hey, look, here you go. Here's a picture. This It'll is, this like is the this, sort of yeah. building. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big reason why there's just so much more art here. It's just, it's much easier to just turn the book and say it looks like this one <laughs> than it is to like try to describe it. Gosh, this is so cool. I'm just flipping through here and just having a good old time. Uh, oh my gosh. And games. You have games mm -hmm. in like sports games and tabletop games and all sorts of games that are actually like in the book and like in the world. 
and then you can actually play if you really wanted to and rules for the games <laughs> like maybe not all the esoteric little tiny rules but like enough that you could yeah you could actually play there's a game called golem the mm -hmm. big card game which is cool because I knew about towers, but I didn't know about like, and I had heard of Gollum, but no one's ever really, uh, as far as I know, described it, at least not very well. And this has, this has all of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's me. That's part of the the fun with it is we wanted, there, there's not that many rules in this <laughs> book in terms of like, you're not getting new feats or an archetype or anything like that, but yeah. there's a lot of stuff that can still end up hitting the table. Uh, it oh. includes Gollum. It includes um the oh what what else is it uh, the recipes right you if you really wanted to you could make the recipe because hey you're going to thuvia and you're gonna meet with the, the thuvian diplomat and here's what you're eating while you're sitting down and yeah that's uh -huh. a lot of work but there, there are some people that are, are gonna love that and it, it's gonna work out great for them and you know that it's hopefully uh some some something that's exciting for people even if you're not getting new spells and new magic items and a new class or whatever but <laughs> i think it's great it's i mean there's game rule information and that's cool because this is you know a game and new rules is new things we can play with but this is new things we can play with on their role play perspective and there is no shortage of cool things maybe maybe you're an ex-pro basilisk player mm -hmm. what's basilisk tell us about basilisk basilisk is in my head kind of like a weird mix of like rugby and lacrosse mm -hmm. or um what's what's the, oh, the the other sport i think a lot of people have been mentioning is jayalai uh because they have the the little wicker um scoop that they they play with uh but it's basically you have this ball and you're trying to get it off into the goal and there are people there trying to stop you and stuff but there's also this whole aspect of it's the basilisk ball and basilisk turn you to stone so you don't want to look into them so the moment you have the ball that you're going to use to try to score you also have to lower your helmet and mm -hmm. it limits your vision or completely obscures your vision and you have to rely on your team to get you across the field and and, and try to score which is like you know it's a fantasy sport there's, there's always some weird twist to it and i think that that's the fun <laughs> twist for that you know you're not doing something like riding on a broomstick or, or or doing anything particularly magical but there's still like you wouldn't see this in the real world and that that's fantastical enough to have this helmet here and you know there, there's there's it's a weird aspect of having to <laughs> play uh effectively blind in some cases with it and you know yeah i'm sure ad adventurers and 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 the, the type of people that live in galarian can can handle that pretty well oh i'm sure uh yeah um there's a bunch about, oh my God, I'm just, I'm going through this book. I'm just gushing y'all. I'm just, I can't, <laughs> we had a plan that was semi-structured and I am completely just ruining it because I'm too enamored with everything that's in here. As I flip through to get to the next section we wanted to talk about, here, I see here, something I'll, else. I'll say, I'll say one. Uh, let's, let's talk about the, the spread on all birth. Uh, yes. 29. It's a big spooky holiday. All right. Which is one that we were going to talk about. We were going to talk about the section anyways. Yeah. This holidays is, and stuff. But This is all birth. Uh, uh, this is a section where I handed that author the list of all the events that existed and the holidays and, and festivals that existed. And they decided we're going to we're going to focus on all birth, which if you are a deep Paizo lore nerd is something that was mentioned by name once 
back in the 3.5 days and it was never like referenced again. So oh, no. it's, it's a heck of a deep cut, which is great. <laughs> I love it. It meant that it also was very easy to just like decide what it was and expand on it without worrying about like, oh, well, what has been written before? It was literally one sentence before. Great. Let's just do whatever. <laughs> let's do whatever we uh, want. But this is another one of those like uh, isometric uh, pullout spreads of showing a festival in action. And uh, assuming this is pulled up on screen, it's probably pretty gruesome. It was a moment <laughs> it, ago. Yes. It, it looks like there's blood and stuff everywhere. And that yes. might be true. I don't know. It might be fake blood. It depends on how into Albert you are. But Albert is kind of <laughs> our take on, on Halloween. It's mm -hmm. you dress up and you do scary stuff and things like that. And it's it's really interesting to show what it would look like to be at a party, which it turns out a lot of these are happening in abandoned ruins because that's a great place to have a spooky party. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that sounds like one of the better places to have it. And it also includes like a, a, a visual reference of maybe the costume that you would be wearing during all birth and some of the props and, and stuff that are used during the celebrations. And it hopefully is just, you know, something that is again, inspiring to just be like, Oh, parties in Galarian can get really weird. It's not just a masquerade <laughs> ball every time, or it's not just, you know, the harvest festival. It's people dressing up uh pretending to be goblins and 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 stuff for Lamashtu and throwing fake blood everywhere and pretending to like cut, cut open a giant's chest and eating it because it's actually you know a giant auroch that you killed or whatever <laughs> and that's what you cook uh so you know it, it, it i think leads to a certain amount of whimsy and a certain amount of, of fun and and hopefully inspiration with with this kind of stuff uh, so we have a question from chat and I looked up the answer for you. So Seth Track asks, does Ferasma have a version of Dea de los Muertos? Because uh, they need their skeleton carnival. Uh, there is a day on the 5th of Ferast, uh, which I believe is, is um, November. I'm going to look at my calendar here. I'm going to cheat. It's not. Uh, one, two, three. Oh, it's actually it's, it's March. in March. Okay, so it's in March. Sorry, I, I mistake. Uh, so in March, I never of, remember those. It's fine. Yeah, uh, it's hard. It's hard to remember them. Now we have a calendar. Uh, the fifth of Frost and in Nations of the Lady of Graves is prominent, and they take part in this like progression of unforgotten souls. So that sounds very similar to your De, La, De las Muertos. It just doesn't happen like the day after Halloween. So uh, different. Yeah. And different I'm, I'm sure there's also like we're only focusing on the inner sea region. If you look over in Arcadia, I have no doubt there's an equivalent for Phrasma. <laughs> you know, in the summer or whatever, where it's right. more lively and uh, colorful and stuff as a mm -hmm. celebration of, of death rather than like a grim procession out of the funeral <laughs> yes. home or whatever. That's true. Yeah, very cool. Well, you'll have to write the Arcadia book and then we'll know all about it. Okay. I'll okay. get started on that. Thank you. I hadn't thought about doing that before, but <laughs> now that you mention it, it I didn't should do something you? like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. You're funny. Uh, <laughs> Are there any other spreads that you really want to show off? Because I think we've been given the go ahead to show off a, yeah, a fair I've, amount. I've mostly been trying to show all of the like, not all, but like a lot of the fun uh, artwork that really speaks mm -hmm. to me. There's a section in fashion. So like, there's fashion throughout this whole book. You're in a section and they're like, and here's the fashion that has to do with the thing we were just talking mm -hmm. about. But there is a fashion section and the fashion section tends to be more like, here's what's currently in style for yeah. super high class and like people going like back to school in various, what was they wear? And one of them 
uh, has accessories. Um, I'm going to show you this just because it's all sorts of little things. It's like, here's like different sorts of tattoos. There's the spectacular spectacles, which are totally sunglasses. Uh, there is the, the cat's eye glasses. Yeah. The cat's eye glasses. Uh, and it talks about glowing jewels and dueling capes and all sorts of stuff. And I just think it's, it's just so cool. Uh, number 18 is asking, do we have fashions through history? Or so, Louis, this is a question for you. Or are all the fashions in this book current but, modern era? I think these are meant to be contemporary fashions, especially because if you read the bit, it talks about uh, <laughs> the fabulous fashion trends for the coming up 22-23 uh, season. Yes. So that, that's that's now. That's that's happening now. So. That's super, super uh, contemporary. Yeah. And I think um, it'd be hard to try to represent fashions throughout the eras because there's not so much information on the ancient eras that's that's basically new campaign settings every time you look back more than 100 years or whatever that's pretty much true uh one of the things to to point out so i have a bit of a saving grace is there is a little bit of old in the modern world in the form of new thassalon so they were time locked for so long they had all these super old traditions mm -hmm. and technologies and things that they would use and all of a sudden are steeped into the modern world and one of the sections is called timeless classics and it talks about thassalonian lace and the way that they would incorporate that into their dress. And now they've sort of modernized it to catch up with the rest of the world. But there is a little bit of the old in the new there. Yeah, there's also uh, an Ifrit man there with a heck of a flaming mustache. <laughs> yes, I, I, the most I fabulous flaming mustache. Pretty fun. And ponytail. Uh, I, I also enjoy the, the writing in this section because it's very much written like what you would see in like a magazine. Because mm -hmm. it's got kind of punny headlines and, and stuff uh, so uh yeah. snow and armor is asking saying so you're saying we can make outfits to wear to our games that are in world accurate and absolutely yes you can yes absolutely if, if someone manages to cosplay anything in this i will like throw myself to the ground in amazement <laughs> and bow before them because that's it just looks it already looks great and i imagine these things look pretty cool in real life as well and, and even if you don't match a picture exactly, the pictures mm -hmm. have these descriptions that are talking about the types of things. So the Thessalonian lace talks about like intricate patterns in the lace and delicate jewels woven throughout and all sorts of stuff. So you can take hints from what it's talking about and be like, ah, this is the kind of thing that would be appropriate and build your own Thessalonian hybrid of new and old. Um, you can build your own you know, Magambia style student wear, where it looks like you're going to be just strolling around the campus with your bag of holding full of all your school books and supplies. Oh, <laughs> all right. There's just so much in here. And it, like, not to discredit the work put into the book, and I just sitting here like, oh, but there could be so much more. <laughs> <laughs> you only have so many pages, so many words. You only have so many pages. I, I, I like I said, I think each of these could be their own uh, book and this all just feels kind of like uh, a concept of like, look, here's some of the stuff that would end up being in the, in a full book. If you decide like we would have just like eight to 20 pages of different spellcasting signatures showing off all these different types of spellcasting signatures. Okay. Let's talk about spellcasting signatures for a minute. Cause this is very exciting to me for a bunch of different reasons. We have known for a while that when we talk about, hey, when you cast magic, there is a visual and auditory display, right? It's big, it is flashy, people notice. It is obvious. Mm -hmm. You can't, unless you're specially trained and have like, you know, the special... Uh, still spell. Still spell and stuff, stuff and abilities to do that. Like, but even still spell means I don't have to wave my arms about. 
and do yeah. somatic gestures, it's still going to have a manifestation. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is really cool because it actually describes the visual manifestation. And it says that there are these runes that appear and that your magic will always sort of look like your magic. Um, unless that, you try really hard to, to change that. Yeah, unless you try really hard to change it. And that magic may change over time. So like when you're an adolescent going to school and learning magic for the first time, your spell signature might evolve in shape, form, or color to something else later. Yeah. But I kind of imagine like the way your handwriting evolves from yes. when you're a kid to when you reach your adulthood that's font, a, if you yeah. will. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good um that's a that's a good example, actually. Mm -hmm. So in this instance, it's very similar where it talks about like the different runes that'll show up, uh, the type of movement, is it fast, is it slow, uh, the color of it uh, that basically says that people will read into what the color means and it actually doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's just the color. It's um, also but, a thing that's just existed forever. If you look yeah. at our artwork, it always shows up. Yes. And I've wanted one to like explain what it is because nothing has explained it so far. But to also tell you, hey, there's no secrets to it. There's no like hidden code or anything. There's, if if, right. if Ezrin looks different when he casts one thing and and then this other piece, like why does he have different runes here? It's like that's just how things work. They're, they're, they're different. They're, they're always different. There's no rhyme or reason and that's fine. We don't ever have to explain it again. <laughs> right. And this kind of does a little bit of that. But it also to me is like, it's really interesting to say like, here's the personality of the character, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of... Uh, role players like people that are very into the role play aspect like to describe like here is the actual incantation of my spell and maybe mm -hmm. repeat it when they cast the spell they might say here is you know the exact manifestation when i cast it it looks like this i know i like to do that um where i say when i'm casting this spell here's what it looks like on me my eyes glow and this happens and like here's Here's how it manifests in the world. And this spread gives a lot of information that can sort of guide folks. If they're like, oh, that sounds cool, but I wouldn't know where to start. They can look at this and say, oh, okay. So I can talk about, are the runes curvy or spiky? And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Do they run together or are they separate? Mm -hmm. uh, they move. The runes are going to move maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. What does that mean? And they mm -hmm. can sort of come up with their own ideas based on this spread and I just think it's so cool this whole thing is also another super duper deep cut uh ultimately okay. it, the, the name is actually something that Wayne Reynolds came up with uh he he's gone and talked a lot about his design for the iconics and the stuff that, that he's illustrated for Pathfinder over the years on Facebook and uh, other places on the internet and stuff and I happened to read one time he mentioned like, oh, yeah, those things I call them spell signatures. They had never had a name before. And I was like, well, if that's what Wayne calls them, that's what I think we should call them. And, and that's, that's it. where that's it came from. And it, it, it leads to like maybe a little confusion with like signature spells if you're, uh, you know, shooting sure. in, in the core rulebook. But ultimately, I think you understand what it means when a spell signature is like, oh, everyone has their own unique signature. It's going to look different. Great. Mm -hmm. that, that, that lines up really well. And just having, well... Wayne Wayne has this name. Let's use it. Let's let's make use of as much as of Wayne's <laughs> materials we can. And in a way, they're kind of related too. If you have a signature spell and a spell signature, it's mm -hmm. like this is a spell that so naturally works with your spell signature that it is easy to maybe replicate or empower. And one of the things I talked about was sequences of runes might be repeated, especially if it's like a, a lesser powered spell that's been empowered to be more potent it might have mm -hmm. those runes repeated as the base of the spell over and over 
I thought that was kind of a fun fun way to do yeah. it. Yeah, I I tried. I don't know if it yeah it asking our art team be like oh let's get a bunch of runes and maybe use these. I think if there's um, any repeating. I think that the assumption in my head was like, oh, if you see a repeating rune here and there, that's because that's the base for whatever spell they're casting. So mm -hmm. if you're casting summon, uh, summon animal, right, it, it right. always would have this base rune, but maybe summon animal at fourth level would also have that plus an extra two or three runes that repeat and stuff like that. And it's just fun to, to think about that. Uh, you know, what's mine going to look? It's just another aspect of, of role play that I think most people haven't had a chance to consider. And like you said, having these guidelines or at least a, a little bit of an example to work from is hopefully going to lead to a lot of cool ideas for, for players, but also maybe a lot of cool fan art in the future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I know I was definitely like just this section sparked a discussion with a friend of mine who we were talking about what magic looks like and how that works. And I was like, oh, actually the travel guide has descriptions of, of spell casting and, and what those runes and stuff look like that we see. So it's definitely informed sort of some decisions uh, that we're making for some other projects that are as of yet unannounced. Um, but that was a really exciting place to see that was already causing like quite a bit of inspiration for us. That's great. I, I, I love hearing that. I love, I love the excitement that I've been seeing around this book, even if people are like, <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't have like an archetype, but people are still excited. They, they're, I would see screenshots and stuff throughout the internet of like, wow, look at this random goblin superstition. Isn't that great? I love this <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one thing that was really also fun that will inform people's role play, I think, is a superstitions section. Mm -hmm. There's a whole spread of them. Uh, from things like uh, number seven is unlucky to Varisians and they'll avoid it whenever possible. Because like that's a lucky number to us in yeah. sort of current modern Western culture. It's like, oh, lucky number seven. Or, no, no, Verisian's unlucky. But... 13 being lucky in Katapesh. Yes, exactly. Um, it's really hard to see in that picture, but there are 14 pots there. But the, the, the 14th one is like smashed. So there's only 13 good pots. Oh, I see. 13's the charm. Very good. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. It's lucky isn't lucrative in Katapesh. That's fun. <laughs> They'll go so far as to tear down a 14th room in a building. <laughs> what? Yeah, this is perfect for your superstitions barbarian. You have, you have mm -hmm. 20 ready to go superstitions at this point. Even if they're not from that region, you could be like, well, I, 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 I heard, heard yeah, I heard this thing. You know, I'm not going to take any chances because, you know, it hey, could wait, be true. Hold on. My, my split of the gold is seven gold. No, hold on. That's uh, fine. Here, I'll, you can hold on to that. Someone I'll, else I'll take, take it. I, I'll take six. That's <laughs> fine. I don't. I don't need that gold piece. <laughs> I don't want no seven. <laughs> yeah, this is really fun. This is so cool. Um, mm -hmm. Lucky buttons for halflings. Mm -hmm. Extra like buttons are lucky. Yeah, buttons. Buttons and halflings have been a thing that have been like. I've been seeing more and more over the Lost Omens days, but partially because a lot of it was written by either Ron Lundin or Stephanie Lundin, who seem to love halflings. And I think they share their like ideas of what halflings should be doing. So it just, they kind of built up this, this uh, halfling lore for a while. But there's also, if you can see, there's, there's a nice picture of all the, the eight buttons on the halfling little patch. And then the sad uh, patch of buttons on the next page, they get torn up because superstitions are bad in Galt. Yeah, Galt, we don't have no superstitions here. You have superstitions. Uh, you're breaking some law. You're arrested. <laughs> Wait, what? Crimes against the state. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. It doesn't matter. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, this this whole thing is just so cool. I'm just having so much fun like reading through here and thinking of all the different things. The open door policy in Taldor, where doors are left unlocked and even open uh, throughout the meal in the evening because, you know, a guest might come by and materialize. And this shows that you're welcome. And even though they almost never do, it's still still obviously ensuring continued prosperity. So we're going to do that. I think real world cultures have some stuff like that. I think I've heard like, oh, you, you set an extra plate or pace, place at the table, even if no one comes to sit at it, just in case a guest comes by and there you have it ready to go. Uh, that, that same section also includes uh, one of my more uh, favorite bits of, of this book, which is the, the tale of Kagala Serki, which is a, a bit of in-world fiction. Um, and I know people are always wanting more fiction at a Pathfinder. And I try to sneak it into Lost Omens where I can. And wouldn't you know, at the book, uh, that's a section of the book that's all about folklore and mythology happens to have a nice little uh, folktale in it. And it's just another fun excuse to squeeze in some fiction in there. But this time it's, you know, fiction that people would tell each other mm-hmm. in the setting. It's, it's a story you would know, like Paul Bunyan or, or whatever. Um, and right. I think that adds an extra fun layer to it. Yeah, that's very cool, especially if you're playing a character. Um, from Garund, who would have heard this tale over and over, like, oh, mm-hmm. definitely read this. And then if you're at the table with another like role player who likes to do that s- stuff, you can reference the story at the table. And all the other players who are like, I don't, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, <laughs> it's, from, it's from our homeland. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Gosh, you just, you stuffed this book with so many interesting things and i and i found i had to look deep but i found actual game rule information there is a there is a ritual called lucky month <laughs> yes where you yeah. can try and imbue uh an, um, a lucky charm onto a specific person and if it sure. works they will actually have good luck and if it doesn't they'll have bad luck whether they have the lucky charm or not yeah it, it's that's one of the questions that um I got asked when outlining this book, it's like, oh, what kind of stuff can we do? James Jacobs actually mentioned like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if there were more stuff like the heart bond ritual mm-hmm. where special events would happen in your life and you'd maybe do a ritual or, or get a, a, a boon for it. And, you know, if I had, if we had more space in this book, I would have made uh, a lot more rituals, you know, one for your birthdays and one for a wedding and one for a funeral and all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the very least, the lucky month is there to kind of cover the general like, oh, an event is happening. You do the lucky month ritual and you create this lucky charm for the person or, or the people involved and yeah. and hopefully wish them well with, with whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's absolutely. Yeah, it's great. I can imagine that this would probably be a very common thing to do when it was someone's birthday. To be like, ah, oh, it's your it's your birthday. So, you know, on your birthday, we do this ritual for you. And for the whole next month, you'll have good luck. So go and be lucky and be prosperous and do things. Yeah. Gosh, it's so cool. I'm just. There's, there's a few more um, pantheons in this book, which is technically rules content. If you're looking to see kind of some more everyday pantheons, the ones that have been featured in other books, are like Light, Knights of Last Fall had ones that are very focused on gods that we're part of the Knights of Last Fall. What the, this pantheon is more just kind of a general purpose. Like what are what are the farmers praying to and stuff like that? So I think that that's fun, but also you know, still usable by an adventurer if you're really into that. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're one of those who likes to play the adventure, who's like, oh, I'm just a regular, you know, family person, but I'm adventuring to earn money for my, you know, sister's, 
you know, spell casting medical treatment. Like she has some long but very unpleasant disease that like isn't going to go away anytime soon. And I'd like to be able to afford a, a cure disease. So you might follow the deities of hearth and harvest and mm-hmm. have that be really important to you. Another rules bit, which is like not at all like big mechanics is in the next section under nature and animals. There's just a big table of all the animals that you can buy as pets, which includes things like, you know, a cat or a dog or a cow. It also includes like an axolotl, if you're so into that, or a a monkey or a A raccoon. And that table was like three times as long before oh my it gosh. turns out that it couldn't fit at all in there. Because <laughs> uh, cause they were like, the cat was broken down to like six different breeds. Oh no. And all this other <laughs> stuff. And it, it is a real bummer to have to cut it down. But I know a lot of people just really enjoy having a pet that isn't, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to play a ranger and have to get an animal companion to have a dog adventure with you. So you know, here's this. And then, you know, here's a, a bit of information on how much food and stuff will be, but like people love that kind of stuff. People do that in MMOs, right? You buy little yeah. pets that don't do anything. They just kind of follow along with you. Uh, and that's just really fun. And we wanted to, to, to offer that to people here. And hopefully this is a, a great starting point. And maybe in the future, when we talk about an animal, it's just like, Hey, here's the, I don't know, the, the fire weasel in this volcanic region of whatever. And you can buy a fire weasel for two gold pieces, stuff like that. <laughs> fire weasel. Uh, a dinosaur is only 10 gold. Now, 10 plus. 10 plus. Yeah. 10 plus. Depends on which one. So yeah, you I'm get sure a little like a, a, a Procumpsognathus or something, or like really tiny, and maybe they're only 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's another part of it. There was a bit of granularity that was lost out because there's just not enough space to list every dinosaur in its specific price. <laughs> Alpacas are 75 plus gold pieces. Mm-hmm. Wow. Those are some fancy packas. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a little bit about alpacas earlier in the section. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a special Druman breed of alpaca that is uh, got ex- exceptionally soft wool. So like, I'm sure it's a lot of work to get an alpaca. Probably. This is so fun. There's a mm-hmm. special Irisini owl bear just from Irisin. Yeah. That is and so cool. It even gives you a little bit of information on how to do the, the stats for that if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's some mechanics there, right? It's not ready to go, but it just says, you know, add add the this yeah. uh, adjustment and give them cold resistance. There you go. Now you have a new type of out there. That is so cool. All right. I love this. This is fun. You're Are playing- there any details? So, I mean, the, the broad categories of things like weather and nature and uh, folklore and magic and stuff. Are there any subjects that you think we're missing oh geez um like not not like obviously we can't cover every specific detail and it's like oh well you didn't tell me what uh divine spell signature would look like compared to arcane spell signature or whatever but like i don't know if there's i'm trying to think i I think we covered most topics that make sense you covered it like to some degree or another there was currency at some point like i was always Mm -hmm. interested in like what do the currency from different regions look like yeah, and there's a couple of different types of coins that you get to see. And there's a few, yeah. And that like stuff like that was interesting. Because I think about like American money versus Canadian money and how different it looks. And then and how, there's parts yes. of the world where the money that just looks, you know, incredibly different. Although paper money is pretty much the standard, but like different sizes and shapes and like how colorful it is and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. That was kind of interesting. Um, there's some 
a little bit I'm looking at right now about musical instruments, a little bit more about different types of music would have been kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But this, there's, there's just so much in here, honestly. The only thing, like you were saying, is I would just want more of it. So it's like, yeah, yeah you talked a little bit about blank topic, but give me a punch more on that same thing. I know the, so the reason this is called Travel Guide is because yes. we had to come up with a different name because the original idea was to call this the, uh, like, Inner Sea Almanac. Um, years ago, this is something that James Jacobs came up with where he wanted to show off all these details but he called it the almanac because you know, farmer's almanac has some, some of the information on like weather patterns and stuff like that. And that, that is featured here. But this has more than just what an almanac would have. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we went to Travel Guide, but also he, he had the idea that, oh, this is a book that we would put out every year. Like, oh, we would, we would show you fashion trends for next year and what the, <laughs> the current you know, trends in cuisine are. Or like, oh, hey, last year we looked at Absalom coins. This year we get a chance to look at coins in Catapesh or whatever. And wow, yeah. As much as I would love to do that, that sounds like so much work. <laughs> uh, yes. But if this book sells well, I I would love to like shake Eric Mona and be like, Travel Guide 2. Let me do Travel Guide 2. Travel Guide 2. Yes. Get an update on stuff. Maybe look at different aspects of things. Um, yeah. There's at one point where, and this is just me being a, a nerd, uh, a lore nerd. You have mm -hmm. an Academy uniform from mm -hmm. the Academy in in Absalom and now I know what that looks like that's cool but it also made me wonder like what are all the other ones look like and I know we have yeah. school fashion and stuff like that but I'm like I want to know all the magical school I want a magical school book that just talks about all the different magical universities and schools across the the whole world and like all the different things I, I just I don't know I just I love drilling down to that layer of yeah. of deep cut lore just to just see you like what would it be like to live there? I don't know. It's very exciting to me. Maybe I'm just a big nerd. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you were saying that and I'm immediately like, are there school rivalries like there are in the U S mm -hmm. like, yeah. And would, would there be like magical pranks where people are teleporting mascot, you know, statues away and putting right? them in like top of a mountain peak or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's exactly. It's like, where is this? Oh, that's over in Goka. Now good luck. And you're like, uh, but we're in Absalom school. Yeah. You're going to have to figure out how to get to Goka and get your, get your statue back. And maybe I know that there's a little bit of that in inner sea magic, uh, an old first edition book. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't talk about like full on rivalries like that, like college rivalries, like we would think yeah. of them but just more of how different schools regard each other because of things. So I know like some of the schools look down on the academy because of practical magic is like, oh, you're sellouts, right? You're just looking at something commercially sellable mm -hmm. versus schools that are like, no, we push the, the boundaries of what's possible. And we're always looking for like cutting edge research into magic. And it's like, oh, okay. So that's always interesting to me. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, if I had my druthers, we'd be looking at, like 24 books in the future one for each of these oh my gosh i th i think we could fill a normal lost omens book on each of these mm -hmm. pretty handily and still feel like yeah maybe there's still room for more yeah one thing that's nice that is nice about this because i i think about that from a more practical aspect and as much as i personally would love to read 24 different books that really drilled super deep into the world of galarian and mm -hmm. fleshed it out I think for most players, this book is going to be fantastic. And I think yeah. after they look through it, they will absolutely be thirsting for a travel guide too, 
especially if they've got some time in between it. You know, if it comes out in a year or two and they go, ah, oh, it's another travel guide. What else is happening? Um, they'll get really excited because there's just so much in here that you can look at and draw from and it will inspire a character. If you were making a character and you're like, yeah, I don't know what I want to play in, you know, the Absalom vaults uh, or Abomination vaults game, or I don't know what to play in Outlaws of Alkenstar, skim through here and see what happens because you will probably see something that that starts to spark your imagination and make you say, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun to role play or that's a really interesting thing. Or how would someone like that work in Alkenstar? You know, what would they think? And so I think this is this is a book just ripe with inspiration for players and GMs alike. Mm-hmm. Seth Trek is asking if we touched on sports, if there's an equivalent to soccer. And we did touch on it a bit. There's a, a sport that isn't quite soccer, but it is like a big, like it's got international league uh, called Basilisk. So you can check that out in there and learn a little bit about how it's played and like the different team positions and, and stuff that yeah. comes with that. The other thing that I don't know if it did blood pig make the book or is that not? It didn't. It's one of those things that I like (laughs) considered. Is that a sport or is that like some cruel game? That I think it's a cruel game. Do people do that for leisure or to like kill time? I don't know if they do. Nineties made it in, which is kind of a a rough, pretty tough, you know, crazy game as well. But like blood pig is, I think a little, like an extra (laughs) step above that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah give me a chance to let me do a whole book on pastimes and I'll put blood pig in there and I'll give you like six <laughs> other sports. I'll talk about bound ball. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some other sport we can make up. It's just something like, I don't know, wizard fight. or something. <laughs> right. I, I'm just imagining what people will do with this though, with like, even with basilisk and they'll be like, all right, so myself and my friends made all new pathfinder society characters mm-hmm. and we are the, the pathfinder society Pro Basilisk team. Yeah, or, or someone will go on Infinite <laughs> and like flesh out the other teams that exist in the league, right? Oh, that'd be cool. Like with the, their own logos and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to see all that kind of stuff come up. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of foundation being set here, and I would love to have anyone, including Paizo or fans, expand on it in mm-hmm. any capacity whatsoever. It's oh just, yeah, an entire like. Stuff. Yeah, an entire bass like, you know, na- international basilisk league manual or book or something guide it would be super cool with all the different teams in there. I'd love to see that. That'd be really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eighteen asks: Are there former magic formal magical duels? I'm sure there are. I think there's even like a dueling system in the game mastery guide. But in terms of being described here, there isn't anything here. But that's one of those things that, like, yeah, of mm-hmm. course, in a full pastime book, they would talk about duels and stuff like that and there would probably even be like rules on how to run your duel and maybe even like an archetype for like i'm a mage duelist that's only specializing in dueling people and you'd get fun options with that (laughs) but uh only i can only dream of stuff like that right now only so many pages in the book yeah and only so many minutes in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. So are are we done talking about the travel guide for now and to move I on to other... I think that's all we can talk about for now. We're, we're technically only doing a preview. Yes, it's just a preview, but still... Yeah, we, might, uh, we might come back to it and get more in-depth in the future if we, we feel the need to at, return to it. At the very least, I'm sure there will be call-outs where I'm like, remember when we talked about that? Here's the thing I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, here's uh, one one fun thing. 
before I go, we we go on. I, I like the, the cosmic caravan being a thing. It's it's your astrological symbols in Valerian. That was a thing that existed in first edition, but we're bringing them back in two E. Um, so I remember writing the rules for those in first edition. There you go. I'm going to figure out two three Erastus. I'm trying to figure out what my sign would be. Oh, it looks fun. like I am the wagon. So oh, okay. What's what's the significance of the wagon and does that match you? It it says it symbolically carries a caravan across the sky. And normally I think that would have meanings like, I don't know, you just help people out or are kind of a um a a a solid, oh, what's the word I want to say? You're you're a a solid presence in people's lives and stuff. And you know, if if you have the right background, it also lets you cast long strider once per week. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> Well, our birthdays are very close together, so I am also a wagon. There you go. And I'd say, but, I don't know how it works, because it, it the very brief description here, it says symbolically carries the caravan across the skies. And uh, both of us seem to be very leadery hype people, right? I mean, we're on no direction. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're very much about, like, helping carrying everyone. I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's do the next thing. Let's play the next game. All right. Yeah. Travel guide too. Let's let's and do I it. I think that that means also Ryan is a wagon. So like there you go. I think we'd we'd all be wagons. Quite possible. That, that makes a lot of sense. But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's there's a couple of uh, I don't know bridge followers out there that are thinking eh, that's just like a wagon. I think like that. <laughs> just like just like a wagon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Very cool. All Thanks. right. Well, it's time for Pathfinder news. Pathfinder news! Pathfinder news! Pathfinder news! Hey, it's the Pathfinder news section where we talk about all news related to Pathfinder and Paizo and, and stuff going on in the Paizo sphere. Yes. And there's not much news. Actually. No, we just Turns had Gen out, Con. All the news is Gen, Gen Con. Con. And we had a whole episode dedicated to all the news that just happened. Uh, so you can go back to two weeks ago and listen to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't there. I know. We I was making you. news. I was making news at Gen Con. But Alex uh, got to join me. So hopefully people enjoyed him on the show. Uh, he is an energetic personality. So he really mm-hmm. keeps the show going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely not a wagon like us. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I guess there's some news at Gen Con. Lost of Inspire Brands. Cool. Uh, in terms of other news going on. There are uh, two big things going on. The Kinetis' playtest, which I'm sure you talked about mm-hmm. quite a bit in the last episode, uh, which happened to... Did the, the playtest come out like right before that episode? Uh, it came out the day of. So it the came out of. earlier so that like afternoon. Scrambled, yeah, read and through this. Yes, <laughs> the two of us read through it. We gathered our thoughts and I rambled on about it quite a bit. And Alex talked about it in a more organized fashion. And... We really like it. The the TLDR, you can go back and listen to it, but the TLDR is we both really mm-hmm. like it, but we have some concerns about how it functions in the math. So you can listen that's, to that. That's play test for you. Though. That's exactly what is meant to happen is you figure out what you like, what you don't like, and the concerns, and hopefully yeah. comes out better at the end. I actually ran a game for my home group uh, last two sessions where one of my players was like, I want to play a kineticist. Can I include that? Can I swap out my character in our campaign for kineticist for a couple of sessions and oh, that feels weird let's just do a let's just do a, a, a different game for like two sessions we'll do a, a one shot that took us two sessions of course because mm-hmm. that's how sometimes <laughs> one shots work 
right. and we played and you played a kineticist and that was fun to see but those of you play testing know that the play testing is ending soon the play test is over on september 5th so have your games in have your feedback in by then um, there's a class survey on there where you talk about the class specifically uh, you, there's also an open response survey where you talk about anything else that you might have thoughts about when it comes to the kineticist class uh, if it wasn't featured in the class play test survey uh get your information by september 5th as i mentioned that's two weeks from now so by the time that we're doing our next episode of no direction the play test should be over so get on it get, get your information out there i highly recommend just letting people know what you feel even if it's just like i just had a lot of fun running around with the 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 thing where you can shoot fire jets out of your your feet and fly forever you know that that's still valuable feedback yes um, just knowing <laughs> what you did like you know that means that hey the things that are working right now can continue working the way they are in the future and that's that we can focus on other stuff you know that, that's always pretty helpful to know um, yeah absolutely and i think i i read a uh there's a bit on reddit someone on the Riot Games team, development team for their card game, Runeterra. One of the developers hopped on once and talked about how they share feedback internally and what they're kind of looking for as developers, the kind of stuff they're looking for. And this is, you know, of course, talking to video games, but I think a lot of it applies here is don't just say like, oh, I didn't like this or I did like this. Um, explain what it made you feel or what your concern was with something like if, if you're feeling like, hey, um, you can just say, I don't like the kineticist, or you can say, it feels like the kineticist's damage mm -hmm. is leaving me behind, even like the monk and the rogue, you know, and, and saying right. stuff like that is, is a lot more helpful than just do this or give them back burn, right? Stuff like right, that. Right. Yeah. Uh, like make a suggestion on maybe what burn could do or what do you want mm -hmm. to see burn do or how, or, how do you want to see that? Or why work? do you miss burn? Or you why know? do you miss it? Yeah. Knowing that it helps a lot. So, yeah. Uh, Share your, your feedback or at least have fun playing the Kineticist and look forward to Rage of Elements next year. I absolutely will. Yeah, um, yeah I know I was trying to get in on the play test and we had to kick it. So hopefully we can finish it, uh, that we can actually do it before the, it ends so I can give official feedback after I've, I've actually th mm -hmm. played through. We're doing a Ruby Phoenix tournament. And so oh, what we decided wow. to do for one, one round is make, like everyone makes a Kineticist character as a mm -hmm. team of Kineticists. And then, and we're trying to cover all the elements that we can. Uh, and then we're going to take that team and do stuff that we would do. Because like Ruby Phoenix Tournament, especially mm -hmm. we're, we're still in the first book, we're still in that beginning island, has so many different things you could possibly do that yeah. we're not going to get to them all. Are you are you going to basically play a different team from yes. your own campaign for yes. a little bit? You're going to like do a side story of like, oh, well, this other team was <laughs> Yes. Yeah. We're just going to segue over to a different part of the island and a different team doing cool Ruby Phoenix tournament stuff that isn't Oops, our main this, team. This team ran into a giant T-Rex. Time to fight. <laughs> yep. And we get, yeah, exactly. And we get to do that encounter with these kineticists and then come back to our regular team later. And that way they still like, we still got to advance our, uh, our AP, but you know, and, and our regular characters get the experience for that. But that mm -hmm. way we're not missing a week and, and delaying it, but we still get a play that's test. Fun. And that's, yeah, it's it's going to be very cool. So I'm looking forward to that. And I even hinted to the GM, hey, if you wanted, you could just level them up later in like book two or three and have us fight them again. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's our old team. <laughs> yeah. 
even if you don't get a chance to actually play with the consensus, reading it and, and offering feedback is still really helpful. So do what mm -hmm. you can uh, or not. You know, it's a lot of work to do that. Yeah. So uh, instead, you might consider looking over to Humble Bundle and looking at, at, at the new Humble Bundle that Paizo has for Pathfinder, uh, the Strength of Thousands Bundle, which is as it sounds like all about strength of thousands it's very long expanse focus and has uh access to the core rule book and the apg and the mongi expanse lost omens book which is you know not to toot my own horn but i think one of the, the better uh books that paisa's ever put out i like it quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, that whole yeah that that whole series of books the the ap the moenge expanse book are some of the best work that paisa has done on second edition so this is definitely if, if you haven't checked those out this humble bundle is a good way to go do that yeah and it gives you like like it notes the the full ap uh, in pdf format so you can jump in and start playing and also know the the whole setting right away you have everything you need to know to get started with the game and immediately jump into what I consider probably uh, one of my favorite APs uh, of all time for Pathfinder. Uh, and I am kind of just saying that because I didn't contribute to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote I wrote the fourth adventure, uh, something, something, you know, transparency. Hey, I write for a lot of this stuff. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, Wouldn't you know it? But yeah, those are the only two big things going on in terms of pathfinder news that i can think of at yeah. least from paizo i don't i'm sure there's always stuff going on on infinite go ahead and check out pathfinder infinite and all that stuff but like yeah paizo is is in uh, you know a kind of recovery period between having just given you all this information at gen con and probably will start sharing more information okay. uh, uh in the future with more stuff like i don't know another lost omens book sometime who knows who knows <laughs> yeah i can't announce it yet but you know what it is i'm trying I to read that, your mind right I, now i know that paizo likes to put out another lost omens book once they've released a lost omens book so <laughs> they just that's, keep doing it one after just the keep other doing it i don't know if that's some big industry industry secret but uh, <laughs> they release more books as time goes on <laughs> you heard it here folks that's the pathfinder oh, news um, Paizo will release more books. <laughs> about 18 is asking, how is hiring going? Yeah, for those of you not in the know, uh, there are a number of open positions over at Paizo. Uh, they are actually still up as I'm looking at them now. That includes a position as an editor or a position as a production designer, which would be working with the art team. So if you're interested in that kind of work and wanting to work with Paizo, uh, you can head over to the Paizo website and go to the careers page and see, yeah, maybe there's something there that works for you. Uh, I know there are always uh, opportunities that pop up on there, and it's just uh, it's a, a, a good chance to maybe get your foot in the door uh, with, with Paizo and Pathfinder and you know, the RPG business for gaming uh, industry uh, as a whole. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, no new hires to announce yet, though. So, no as we would definitely tell you. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Paizo would have told us by now as well, too. So, that's right. And we'll, we'll definitely try to drag whoever they get onto the show to talk about. So, you work for Paizo now. So, more mm. more news <laughs> on that, hopefully, next episode. But what, who knows? what random project did they throw on your lap on day one? <laughs> uh, I, got, I got thrown redacted. Great. Cool. Yeah. It's that seems to be a, a fun thing that happens. Is here's the thing it's mid production. Let's work on it. Go finish. And it's, it's a good learning experience. Finish that. Make it a thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that's, 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 you know, Paizo making more books all the time. What? <laughs> this is absolutely news. All right. We're going to move on to wrap ups and shout outs. Wrap ups and shout outs. Wrap ups, wrap ups and shout outs. Thank you for joining us for No Direction <laughs> episode 283. 283? Travel guide, yeah. I don't even know if I put uh, the right number in the announcement. No, I did. Okay, 283. 283, yeah. And before we go, we like to shout out to things that we enjoy, whatever they may be, whether or not they're related to Pathfinder RPGs in general. And I think I have a shout out that I think I did before, but I want to shout out uh, again. Just sure, because you're I've been enjoying it so much, which is the Dice Will Roll podcast, which is... Um, I think it purports itself as the queerest Pathfinder podcast out there. So mm-hmm. that's pretty fun. Uh, they're currently running through the adventure path you mentioned earlier, the, the Fist of the Ruby Phoenix adventure path. And they are so far pretty far into the first adventure. And I've just been having a lot of fun listening to them. I think they've been, uh, they've been doing a, a lot of great stuff. They have two APs under their belt before that, uh, which include Extinction Curse and Kingmaker. And I think just check them out they're pretty fun they are rather crass so if you're <laughs> someone who blushes to when when it comes to you know uh, a bit of a blue language seeking language be aware of that but i think they're, they're they make the game pretty fun and even as someone who knows that ap pretty well they are shaking things up by introducing um, different teams and uh, other stuff going on and it makes it still pretty fun to listen to and the the cast they're just really fun I, I like their characters and what they're doing so check out dice will roll uh just a, a fun podcast very cool very cool uh i have a couple different shout outs um one is we're talking about the kineticist play test earlier and for mm-hmm. those of you who want uh far too many of my opinions including a brief history about the kineticist you can check out the rise of the rule lords unchained a podcast that just went out the other day, uh, Legendary versus Playtest Kineticist, uh, with me as a guest star. And we basically start with the, it's the first edition Kineticist because you have uh, the interpretation that myself and a couple other people did for Legendary Games called the Legendary Kineticist, as well as the Kineticist Playtest by Paizo and how they are two completely separate uh, approaches to how to solve this problem of I have an elemental focused character that does things and what do we do? And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I really like both approaches. I like the one I did because it was more of a direct port. And I like the way Paizo has treated the kineticist as just a whole new way of thinking about what a kineticist is and does. And I really enjoy both of them. And we we go into a bunch, we break it all down. So if you're a kineticist fanatic, absolutely check out the, uh, the rise of the rule Lords podcast. So, uh, that's out there. The other thing I wanted to bring attention to is that Vellum and Lace just released, uh, yet another episode. So we went on hiatus for a little bit and then we released a bundle with all of the different episodes of Vellum and Lace to get your current. And we just released a new one and I didn't pull it up. So I'm vamping to try to see if I can find it. <laughs> Um, I can pull it up for you. Just tell us about it. Uh, yeah. So it, it picks up where the last one left off. Uh, and I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but essentially we spend a lot of time in the first, I'm going to call it arc, like meta arc, 
uh, with mm-hmm. the sisters being separated. And this is when they finally get back together. So this is the aptly titled Reunion. It is episode eight. Uh, and you can uh, you can go out there and, and catch up also with the bundle. Um, some of our earlier ones have made Electrum status. So there, there are readers out there reading. Yeah. So that Pretty is a thing cool. you can you can take a look. And uh, it is it's been a ton of fun to write. So uh, go check out Reunion and see what happens when the sisters get back together and start enjoy our next meta arc, which should be a lot of fun. And probably and probably include stuff directly from the travel guide uh, <laughs> as we're going through it, going, this is perfect. This is perfect. We're going to use this. We're definitely going to do something with this kite festival. There's this a, is so cool. There's a point where someone holds up a bottle of Carpenden. Yes, that's right. <laughs> And uh, brings a, a lot of attention <laughs> to it and then winks. <laughs> but I've got a real bottle of Carpenter, not just bubble wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Jellica will steal it and smash it on the <laughs> pretentious guy's head and off they go. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely check that out on Pathfinder Infinite. It's been a lot of fun to write and I hope you have fun reading it. And that is it. That's what I got. That's it for other shout outs i guess the only thing to shout out is oh i don't know the no direction network itself the no direction network itself if you enjoyed this show and you cannot get enough of us i implore you to join our discord the easiest way is to head over to our website at nodirectionpodcast.com and click on the giant discord link and you can join the chillest coolest pathfinder discord server out there chatting with us about all sorts of stuff pathfinder starfinder Essence 20, all sorts of role-playing games. And as a special bonus, if you're a patron of No Direction, if you like us that much that you're like, hey, we give you some money. Um, We appreciate that because that helps us keep our equipment up to date and working. And you can join us in mere moments in the patrons private sanctum, a special show just for our patrons where we talk about whatever it is you ask us to talk about. And when you don't, we ramble on for 30 minutes, which is also entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a much more casual hang sort of atmosphere, and you can come do that. And uh, all you got to do is become a patron, attach your Patreon account to your Discord account, and you will automatically be invited to join the Patreon backers group, which includes the patrons' private sanctum. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we, we do some other shows here at the No Direction Network, like Legend Lore and, and Adventurous and beyond and all so many stuff. other so shows and blog posts and blog sure. posts all the time blog posts about a lot of cool stuff yeah pathfinder stuff adjacent stuff third party making stuff for your game table to make it better <laughs> you said adjacent but i thought you said jason stuff i'm like yeah jason jason, jason. <laughs> people named jason make things on the blog it's fun no uh it's like good. adjacent adjacent scene. yeah 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 but know. yeah, we also have stuff from Jason Keeley. So, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> if you want, if you're here for Jason Keeley stuff, then so be it. But also welcome. <laughs> yes. So, uh, number eighteen rightly says it's a full time job to keep up with No Direction. Uh, yes, it, there's a lot of content that we're releasing. So go content. check it out. So enjoy, and um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's time for us to hop off to get to that. So. I think, what do we say here? We uh, say that if you need to find the path, you need no direction. Bye-bye.